We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks, Patrick. We are returning to our Hopper Talk format today. Hopper Talk is when I go to the internet, often to Reddit, and find really funny, interesting questions, and then we just kind of put them on the table and see where we agree or disagree. It's or... like the break from the chasing excellence. Yeah, except we always bring it back to chasing. Oh, we do. Yeah, we, okay. we, we, I think we started this idea of like, these will be fun and random, and oh, then immediately right we're yeah, right back yeah. into like chasing excellence. So we're doing our best here, folks. Um, but these questions are random enough that at least we start in different places and then we you know, see where we end up. All right. So we've got five questions as we often do. First one first, what is something that is practically useless, but is treated as a luxury item? I'll let you go first. Okay. So yeah, this is, this is a platform to espouse our, this is kind our, of our soapbox. This, this, this is what it is. <laughs> I, I just realized that because here I, because as I go, I'm like, here I go, every luxury item is useless. <laughs> You know, I thought you were going to say that because I remember the question we did of this was like, what should be free? And you're like, and, or I think it was that question. You're like, nothing. Nothing should be free. <laughs> yes. Everything has a Makes cost. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but every luxury but, item is by, is by to me is, is by definition is, is useless beyond its utilitarian function. And that's why it becomes a luxury item because instead of having a watch, you bought a Rolex. Now it, the function that that actually has, the utility it has is to show the world what you value and what you want them to think about you. But to me, any luxury item is essentially useless mm -hmm. because it doesn't give you more functionality beyond, it's certainly not in the same linear progression that the cost to functionality goes. Yeah. Maybe a Rolex keeps better time over the course of 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. But to me, it's expensive watches, expensive jewelry, um, expensive handbags, mm -hmm. um, things like that. It, any one of those luxury items, I guess the exception might be like a, a luxury car because you would have more comfort and performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you, is there something in the category that you, that one would consider luxurious or luxury that feels like at least it's getting close to the, to the, to the, what you pay for it kind of experience? I don't think it, it meets the it doesn't ride on parallel lines, yeah. right? There's going to be some divergence. Some are probably more divergent than others. And to me, those three right there are kind of the big ones, like yeah. jewelry, bags, and the accessories yeah. and watches. Yeah, because yeah, I can think about, and my answer is similar to that, uh, but I can think about like, not that I think I would I would go for, but like luxury hotels or luxury experiences, yeah. I think get closer to at least feeling like what I'm paying, like I'm getting. What I would, I would not. Yeah, I wouldn't, but not put that in those that same category yeah. because, um, and I guess people, other people would argue, like, no, I do get the same feeling out yeah. of wearing my real diamond earrings. I get the same feeling of having my Prada Chanel bag, whatever it is. I get the same feel, but I don't know. To me, that's a different. That's that's a messed up value set. <clears throat> yeah, I I focused in on because uh, I'm I'm a big surprise. I'm, I agree with you. Um, but the, the, what I focus in on with this question is the practically useless. 
like getting down to the, like the actual practical benefit or the practical usefulness of this thing. So what you got? And so the, th- the thing that, which I've gotten in trouble for, uh, in my own personal life, the, the thing that I am, that I believe is practically useless, even though most people consider it a luxury item is a diamond engagement ring. Mm. No, no, that's, I get that jewelry. Like, like it's like, yeah, especially yeah. that though. Like for some, like, yeah. it's, it's just so strange to me that people are supposed to spend seven, whatever thousand dollars on this thing right before you they start a life that, with they, somebody they told else. You it was, it's supposed to be like three months salary. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that what the thing is? I, sure. Uh, something like bonkers. That. It's like, what? And, and, and somehow not is a, is, is an indication of love. Yeah. <laughs> is an indication. I'll take that next step in terms of like, like if we're just going in terms of useless expenditures, weddings in general oh god it's a one night party that's what you're doing you're it you're partying for one night and the expense that goes into that which could be set up for longer term success could be massively impactful on so many different levels and it's just all right there's and the expectations that's the soapbox, right? And the expectations of both of those things are like you're supposed to. Like you're yeah. you're you have to buck the trend to not do either one of those, which is like insane to me. Insane to me. Like going to going to twenty thousand dollars worth of debt before you begin, <laughs> before you start. Well, guess what? Guess what most relationships fall apart is because of money. Yeah. Not most, probably a, a large number. So like, okay, set off that the hardest relationship you're ever going to dive into and also set yourself 20 grand back. Some people, but no, that's not a big deal. Sick party, bro. I've never. Yeah. No, every, every, this is serious soapbox and we are becoming old men very quickly, but every expensive wedding I've ever been at, I have seen the bride cry because of the, because even at that level of expense or, or especially at that level of expense, the expectations are impossible to meet. They're crying because of that. They're because, because something went wrong because something happened. Somebody said something, something broke. The thing didn't come out at the right time. Whoa. The, the stress that's created by that sort of expenditure and that sort of expectations Whoa. like you're on a knife's edge the whole night something goes wrong and it's the worst oh my god we spent 40 grand on this it's supposed to be perfect it's not gonna be perfect it's just like i've seen too many of those like I, i've been to a lot of weddings <laughs> as i'm sure you have a lot of people have um and almost without fail the more expensive is the is the more stressful so that's where we ended up on weddings weddings i like that yeah i'm, I'm with you on that all right next question what are some things your children will never experience the way that you did? Okay, you go first on this one. <clears throat> my default answer to this, because I, I say it to my wife all the time, is that I don't think my kids will ever learn, learn how to drive out of necessity. Oh, that's such a good one. I wow. think that they may learn. Yeah. I was thinking about it driving down here. I think they may learn how to drive, but it, they'll be kind of weird to have done it. In other words, like you have to go out and find... Like, where can we go learn how to drive those cars that people used to do? And they're like, there'll be places in the metaverse where like you go and hang out with other people who like to drive cars and everybody and you, and there'll be groups of people like, I can't believe nobody drives cars anymore. It's so amazing. But like most people are like, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, and so I started to think about that, but I would, I actually think, I think we're in a really interesting time in the sense of like, what I actually started thinking about is I wonder what won't change dramatically from what we grow up with versus what even, you know, with Bodie and, and Harley and my kids, I think there's probably probably as good a chance as not that more things will be different than more things will be the same. It's not going to, Oh, that one thing. Oh, that's, that's cute. How you guys they change. I think it's going to be like, most things are not going to look the same. This is what's wild about where we are in the, 
like humanity, right? Because for literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not millions of years of human existence, nothing changed. So from the Paleolithic to 10,000 years ago, we lived in caves for 2.5 million years, I believe, we lived in caves. Nothing changed. Maybe we figured out how to make a better spear. That's a long time for nothing to change. Then 10,000 years ago, there was the agricultural revolution. All of a sudden, we could domesticate animals. We didn't have to hunt and gather. We could grow crops and we could sit and settle. And now because of that, civilization came. That's a huge change. It's a massive leap. Massive. But not a whole lot changed there until we got all the way to the industrial revolution, Mm -hmm. which happened just, and now you have steam engines. They can travel faster than a horse. Because before that, there's news in Europe for it to get to us. It has to be sailed across a ship (laughs) and then got on a horse to get to California. That takes a while. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's the steam news anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This is what happened 18 months ago. (laughs) But then all of a sudden now there's the steam engine and the railroad and things can go faster. Eventually we get to like automobile planes, planes and stuff like that. And then we have the information. So think of like these revolutions are speeding up. And to your point, once you get to the technology revolution, which we're in the midst of right now, technology builds technology. None of these other things built anything else. This is the one that creates the exponential curve. To your point, it's such an awesome, like, what's not going to change? Mm-hmm. Holy, that's that's a super interesting question. Yeah. I don't like, I'm, I was trying to think on the way down here, like, what, what fundamentally will not change? Eating, <laughs> eating even, gonna change. Eating but even change. that will change. Oh yeah, for sure um, that's gonna change. But uh, which is the most like so Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Which is food, shelter, water, you know, safety. Like those will probably change a yeah, lot. Yeah. Like there's going to be nano robots inside yeah. of you that go. Um, you need to add this these electrolytes to your water. You don't have to go do it. Yeah. It just shows up at your doorstep without you doing anything. Maybe not even your doorstep. It's on your. Yeah. It's on your breakfast table when you come down. Yeah. Like that's eating is going to massively change in the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure know, what won't. Point, yeah. 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 Uh, so maybe that's a better question is what do we think won't change? You'd like between... to say, I'd like to say the most. Um, so Maslow's hierarchy needs, it goes there. Then it goes to um, essentially sense Cycle. of belonging. Yep. So yep. will that not change mm. like our relationships our need for other people mm-hmm. and as we get to this more connected world we're creating more disconnect mm-hmm. right we're connecting on different levels but we're not connecting on the 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 human oxytocin serotonin level of touch feel look in someone's eyes will that not change because we, we we need that mm-hmm. and will people always find ways even though they have netflix even though that you can get alcohol delivered to you we still go to the movies we still go to bars we still because we want that connection with other people will that not change i don't know that's a good one yep what was your original answer uh i'd I'd say well now that it seems like yours is so much better (laughs) (laughs) what won't change um but i think like the way that i experienced music Mm, as a kid great point right like because the kids when i was the kids because they're like i'm driving in the car with the kids and i don't have like it can all connect. It's shocker. I don't have it all connected in my car like Heather does. When they're driving with Heather, they're like, put on the new Justin totally. Bieber song. And she's like, okay. And the <laughs> Justin Bieber comes yeah. on. In yeah. my car, it's like, put that on. I'm like, we have to wait for it to come on the radio for that to happen. 
And if you really, really want it, what you can do is you can call up the radio station and hope that you'll get through and they'll play your song. It's called putting in a request. We used to put in, like, that's what. And if you want to listen to a song on a, it was a tape player. You'd have to be like, like fast forward. Oh, there's, we're on it. Now rewind, went too far. Fast forward. Okay. And play. Oh, no, let's. Yeah, you spend more time finding the song. Than oh, completely. Yeah, and then the big, massive, awesome days was when you had like a five-disc CD changer. You could put five discs in there and put it on shuffle, yep. and now you were like, "Oh man, this party's gonna rock!" <laughs> so funny you said that. We were just cleaning out the basement last weekend, and we found our kind of our stacks of CDs that we had collected. Like, oh man, I had a, I had a period of, in my twenties where I was just like, I was really into music. And so I had lots of CDs and my son found them and he, and he, for some random reason, his, uh, his grandmother just got him a, a portable disc player, which is hilarious, but he loves it. He loves putting his little headphones on and spinning the thing. And, and so he was like, Oh, CDs. And I was like, and I, so I was starting to go through Ooh. the list. I was like, Oh, I had some really good music. <laughs> That's like us finding like a record player yeah. as a kid. Yep. I'd be like records. Yeah, my dad had tons of records, right? Yeah, records. Oh my gosh. Put these on. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. You're right. I think that that, that mu- music has fundamentally changed already. At home, we yeah. go, you know, Alexa, play Ed Sheeran radio, and and it's hear it like what? <clears throat> that's bonk. It's like voice controlled. Yeah, you can voice control any song that you want at any time. We we just got an Alexa in the house, and it's actually in Emerson, my five year old's room. Uh, it's his. He got it for his birthday. And his thing, I don't know if your kids are like this, but like every three days he has a favorite song and he only listens oh, to that li- song oh on gosh. repeat. But it's like Lady Gaga. And he, <laughs> the other day he heard one on the radio. He's like, what's this song? And he got home and he started oh, playing it. On repeat is his favorite thing. Yep. Uh, and it's so funny. It's so funny. Alexis felt so strange. All right. Next one. If you could create one law for your country, what would it be? Okay, this is... I'm realizing how much of a soapbox thing this is now. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't realize. I thought we were just like having fun conversations. Oh man, I almost feel bad about that because this is such a, I would outlaw industrial farming. That's interesting. I would completely get rid of any sort of slaughterhouses, mm-hmm. uh, like mass, like industrial feed lots. I would get rid of um, any monocropping and mm. tilling. Yep. Um, I big, be- big ag, big agriculture. I would make it illegal to do that. Now you can still have big agriculture, but it would do it in a sustainable way. So here's when you get meat from a feed lot, essentially you're eating processed food. That's just, it's yeah. you, you don't think it is. Cause you say like, it's meat and it's straight from, but it's processed because they're eating crap. They're eating things that they're not intended to eat. They're eating corn and soy and they're living in filth. There's it's, they're f- pumping f- antibiotics into them and hormones. It's a processed food. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go out and um, shoot a bear, like we, I was at a tailgate the other day and the guy, one of the guys had bear, cool. like cool, like really cool, <laughs> like whatever. Um, was it any good? I've never, I've... I actually didn't get shot. <laughs> so it's, it's a bad story. But like elk, right? Yes. Elk or yep. venison yep. or whatever it is that people go out and, hunt and I'm not, you know, pheasants or whatever it is. 
that's an unprocessed food. Mm -hmm. Or if you're getting something from a sustainable farm, that's like where the, the, the cows are in pastures and they're walking around on grass and they're eating grass that's from real soil. Like that's the jam for mm -hmm. that. Now that's on the, the livestock side of things. The same goes for pigs and chickens and goats and everything mm -hmm. else. On the produce side of things, we are not supposed to have a gazillion acres of corn, mm -hmm. a gazillion acres of soy, a gazillion acres of one crop. Yeah. And we're also not supposed to till, meaning like turn over the soil over and over and over again. When you do that, it turns into dust. Mm -hmm. It turns into a desert. Now, one part of that is you create less healthy foods. So you got to put more fertilizer on. You got to put more pesticides to protect it from more. So it's a less healthy food. That's, that matters. But what those two things do, having sustainable livestock and no tilling real healthy soil is they pull, this is the big thing is we have this massive environmental issue with all this carbon in the air and all these emissions. If we stopped no one drove another car and we went to all renewable resources. We'd still have all the carbon up in the air that's up there. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing is what soil does, the whole thing is it works in synergy. Yeah. It works. What Just like we breathe out CO2, trees breathe in CO2 and breathe out oxygen that we breathe in. Mm -hmm. There's a yin and yang and a balance. What happens is there are emissions like cows fart, like whatever, and it goes up into yeah. the air. Yep. But then what happens is the soil, it's the soil that breathes that it and pulls the carbon out of the air, puts it down into all the little microorganisms in there, and then puts it back out into a healthy, it is the thing that can help pull, it can get us back. Mm -hmm. Everyone's talking about like, well, we can only get, you can get back to a healthy planet if we have the soil. Mm. So it's that important to me. Like that's what. I would outlaw anybody that is destroying soil. Mm, that's really interesting. Um, did you ever read Rob Wolf's and Diana Rogers' book, Sacred Cow? No, I haven't. I'm curious, but I just yeah. I don't know anything about it. I I I saw that they were on. They were both, both on Joe that. Rogan. I, yeah, I'll, it's basically. I'll, I'll I think I think it's about reorganizing the system. You know, I think one of their one of the reasons that they wrote it, and this is like I'm very very much not sure. Uh, much about it but i think one of the was kind of a reaction to this idea of like in order to save the planet we all have to stop eating meat because right. meat is a blah 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 kind of what you just spoke to so i think that was part of their what they were responding to is kind of a, a better way to do this you know a better more sustainable way to do this i'm so just curious maybe we can have them back on and, and talk about cool. that because that'd be really interesting um all right so that was that was interesting uh mine it, uh, this was this was a fun question to think about i don't know if you enjoyed thinking about this as a question but i've never like it's always one of those things like if you had a wish what would you wish for and you're like ah more wishes and so like the the first thing you think about is like eh, the law would be my ability to yeah, make more laws exactly yeah. and then you really start thinking about it. it's like what's like what is the purpose of a law um which i don't like i don't never studied it but like, if you start thinking about it, like well it's either at least in my my dumb view of it is like well it's either to, to play offense or to play defense. Either this thing needs to happen and it's not happening. So this law is here to do that. Or this thing is happening and it needs to stop happening much to yours. It's like, okay, we're going to play defense now. And so I just started to think about like, well, what's more interesting? And 
so I was like, oh, let me think about like what kind of offensive laws would I would I want to would I just like decree? And then I started thinking about well, what is the problem you want to solve? Because again, f- theoretically, laws should exist to solve a particular problem. Um, uh, whether or not they actually do that is, <laughs> is it can be up to for debate. I was like, well, okay, what is the thing? What is what is the uh, the thing that we're always talking about here, which is. One, like I genuinely believe one of the biggest problems we have in the world is that individuals are not healthy. And I think that so much downstream of that is, are the problems that we talk about all the time. And so I said, I think, okay, what, what, what can you create as a law that would at least push people towards that? There's a long road (laughs) that I'm walking down here. I started thinking about, okay, well, what is the, what is one of the fundamental things that I believe stands in the way of most people doing the things that we believe need to happen in order to become a healthier individual, healthier individuals, create healthier societies, healthier societies, whatever. Everyone must get a CrossFit gym membership. <laughs> yes. No, that would not work. Uh, though, I mean, it would work. But um, So I started thinking, about, okay, well, what is, what is one of the biggest barriers, at least in people's minds, and it's that I don't have enough time. And so I started thinking about, okay, well, what is, what is something that can be done to create space and create time so that some percentage of people who believe that they would take, they would use that time to take care of themselves. Okay. Well, well, what is that? Well, it's oftentimes work. We live, we exist in a society who tells us eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, which is really, if you add commutes in, it's 10 hours a day, it's 60 hours a week. And, um, and that eats up quite a bit of our time. Okay. Well, how do you, how do you write a law that allows people to work less? And yes, you could do that, but I don't, I don't think that, I don't think you can write a law to tell businesses to stop. I think that's a, I think that's a bad, bad way to go. So I started thinking, okay, well, why do we work eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 40 hours a week? And I swear to you, the thing I came down to is, is, well, not, not quite that. So one more, one more step, which is, okay, so how do we free up the time? It's, um, I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the leap that I made, but what I ended up coming to, oh, that's what, that's what it is. What I came to again, sorry for the long preamble, but it, I, I needed to make it make sense. The law I would make is that kids go to school for four hours a day, four days a week, all year round. And how the work thing, how the time thing happens is in the, like why is school the way it is? It's because mom and dad work or mom worked or dad worked forever. And then now mom has to work because whatever. And so, well, we can't cut school. We can't uh, bend daycare. So I think there's a period where that's a terrible idea. But I think if you were to write that law and say in a year, school is four hours, four hours a day, four days a week, all year round. What happens is that work has to change. We talked about this in the last Hopper Talk, where I think the the biggest opportunity coming out of COVID was that we recognize that we can do things differently. And I think we're unhealthy because we work too much. And I think that that's the case because nobody stops to say, do we have to work this much? Mm. And so we've got all of this, all of these rules, all of these structures, all of these assumptions being made in school, in work, in life, and all of these things. And the end result of that is we're all just too damn busy. We've all got too much stuff. And our individual healths always suffer for it. And so the the law that I would theoretically that I that I think would be interesting is starting to mandate less things on people's plates 
And yeah, work has to change because of that, but that's the point. The point is, what does life look like when kids aren't in school from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and you've got to take care of them and, and whatever else? What changes? And I think what changes is we start to recognize that we made up all these rules and we can change them if we decide to. <laughs> so that was my long preamble about what law I would do. Very cool. Maybe. <laughs> what is a crazy statistic? Okay, you're up. Okay, so I was listening to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit. I was listening to a podcast with um, Tim Ferriss. I had uh, Jane McGonigal, she's an author. And um, she's a futurist, which is a thing you can be, which is kind of cool. Uh, and so they were talking about one of the things she does is kind of sets up simulations uh, to see what might happen if this thing happens. So for, as an example, and the, the interview is really interesting. And she just came out with a new book, which I haven't read yet. But the first thing they started talking about is 10 years ago, she created a simulation where the world went into a global pandemic. Mm. And like, so the purpose of it is like, let's learn what happens as best we can, right? Simulating it. What would it look like for everybody to have to wear a mask? What would it look like to fill in the blank? So that's just an example. <clears throat> and so they were talking about um, uh, some of the, uh, I think it's the the UN, some big agency, some big something, uh, every year comes out with a like a global list of, of uh, threats or underappreciated threats, something like that, right? Where they, they talk to government leaders and, and, and thought leaders and professors and all these things like to try to get a sense of like where where are we not paying attention to things that we should be paying attention to? So we can get start to get a sense of that. And so what uh, Jay McGonigal said was one of the things that was most interesting to her uh, as an underreported threat was uh, global youth dis disillusionment. And so she mentioned a study. Um, and so I just kind of, I poked around and I found it and I'm just going to read kind of what the status, cause that obviously is the, the point of it. And, uh, in the study was, um, and they, they surveyed like 10,000, uh, young people from hundred countries, something like a, a wide sample, more than 50%, uh, each of the following, uh, sorry, more than 50 reported each of the following emotions, sad, anxious, angry, powerless, helpless, and guilty. More than 45% of respondents said their feelings about climate change negatively affected their daily life and functioning. And many reported a high number, a high number of negative thoughts about climate change. Uh, for example, 75% thought that the future, uh, thought that they think the future is frightening and 83% said that they think people have failed to take care of the planet. And so what I, the crazy statistic is what happens when half of an entire generation of kids thinks that there's very little hope. I don't know, but I don't think it's good. And I think that, I think that it's, it's often we need to rely on the generation behind us for the hope, for the push, for the naivete. <laughs> We need that because as you get older, you get a little bit more cynical or you get a little bit more hard edged or you don't change your mind as often. So you need that sort of pushing and pulling. And, and, uh, and so I started thinking like, I don't know what that looks like. And that, and that's just a crazy statistic to me to just know that 50 ish percent, if not maybe more of 14 year old, 15 year old, 16 year olds look out of the future and be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be excited about. What do we do with that?
That was they're not so related to the environment. Mostly related to the environment. So yes. I I see, I hear that stat and I I read it into it the exact opposite way. It's mm. so interesting. I hear that stat and I see a bunch of people that are fed up, mm-hmm. a bunch of people that are yeah. that are aware, and we have to realize that you hit Rick, you have to hit Rick bo- rock bottom before mm-hmm. you're forced to make change. Yeah, and actually that was Jane. It was one of the things she said when she prefaced it was, "This is one of those things on the list on this un- underreported list." And I'm not sure that it's a bad thing not or, or it's all. not a hundred percent. So if you bad. asked two generations ago about this mm-hmm. and they're the ones that really messed things up, yep. they're the ones that were littering and creating the factories. They're the ones that were pumping all the emissions. You go, what, what's your thing? With your, they go, ah, oh, nothing. It's great. Well, all things good. Yeah. So there's nothing, there's no awareness level. So I think that's a great mm-hmm. thing that this next generation is so ultimately aware of that. Yeah. That's what's going to force change because some kid is going to go, I have a problem to solve. Yeah. But I, here's the, here's, and I totally agree with you. And I think that that is the flip side of it. And that is the potential silver lining. But the thing, and then I think the reason why it's stuck in my head is just as likely to that moment, ah, I, something has to change and I have agency to change it is nihilism is, eh. Fuck it. We're all screwed anyways. What's the point? I'm going to go back yeah, and only play takes, my video It only games. takes one. Yeah. It totally. only takes one of that 50% to go like, I'm going to change yeah. it. And that person creates the robot that scours the mm-hmm. oceans, the automated thing that pulls the plastic out and does its thing. They're the ones that do the thing, the the planes that drive around self-automated that just like suck up O2 and mm-hmm. make it and turn into pure oxygen totally. or whatever it might be. So... Anyways, what's yours? Okay. I have three. Three crazy statistics. Three crazy statistics. And each one has a... So um, each of them came to me at different times. So okay. that, um, one came to me a little while ago. and It really resonated. I haven't forgotten about it. One was from the last podcast we just did. Mm. I looked up the stats on it. Cool. And one was my kids went on a field trip yesterday. So was, And they got a crazy stat. I okay. will say that having no, knowing this question was coming... I noticed statistics like everywhere and maybe I just don't pay attention yeah. to like numbers or whatever, but like, I didn't know this question was coming until today. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's still but I've just been like every, like, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Or that's crazy. Or that's whatever. Okay. okay first one, this is bonkers. Elon Musk mm-hmm. makes 383 million dollars a day. <laughs> Here's the craziest part about that. At 3% interest, which is a savings account, like it's just what you get, (laughs) just on that one day's earnings. So he works today. He doesn't work again. Puts in the bank and he doesn't work again. He's going to make $11 million a year in interest Mm. off of one day. I tried to do the math on how much much that would come out to a so it's 11 the combining it and i couldn't too do much yeah. it was too big the, 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 the calculator that on the iphone was like e to the whatever that works out to just that interest yeah. alone works out to thirty-one thousand dollars a day in interest from one day of work meaning he works he worked yesterday he's done he's gonna get thirty-one thousand dollars today thirty-one thousand dollars next day that's insanity mm, that it's so such a big number that you it's, it, yeah it's hard to conceive and i at $383 million a day. <clears throat> That's probably changing now that he's trying to buy Twitter. But And when this comes out, he may have already successfully bought it. But I get your point. That might give him more earning might power. Might give him more. Or yeah. less. We'll see. Um, okay, next one. We were talking about um, how it's... how it's, 
the if someone goes to a gym, they're the weird ones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how weird is that? And I get it for a CrossFit gym, but I was curious how many people actually go to gyms. Mm. In the US, there's only 14% of the United States have gym memberships. Mm. In the United Kingdom, that's only 7%. Mm. Less than 10% of the UK have gym memberships. Less than 15% of the US. That's wild. Yeah. Wild. Because in our world, in our, this yeah. is what you're speaking to. Yep. It's such the norm. Yep. It's beyond norm. Yep. It's like, we don't even think about it. Crazy. Okay. And the last one is... Um, that, by the way, is like, it's such a good stat to remember when you think about where is, can, like, is CrossFit, like, is it, did we peak? Did we hit our growth? It's like, no. No. Yes. <laughs> Not even yes. close. Yeah. Like There's so much more room to grow. Yeah. Um, and the last one, my son went to a organic farm yesterday on a field trip and they were, they really dived into bees and what bees do. And as they're pollinators and one of the stats he came back with is a queen bee in peak season lays over 3000 eggs a day. It lays over its body weight in eggs every day. Think of that. That's crazy. That'd be like a human giving birth to a 200 pound, 200 baby. pound baby every day. <laughs> Those are wild. Bees are nuts. Yeah. Bees are nuts. Yeah. Bees have guards at the, at the door of the hive. They're mm. literally their, their job is to make sure you're one of the family. If mm. they're not, they kill you at the door. <laughs> All right. Protect the, protect yes. the queen. Protect the queen. Yeah. I love that. All right. We're talking a lot of environmentalism today. It, we are, yes. I like that. I like I like that we always stumble into themes on these Hopper Talks. All right, last question we've got. Uh, if you could go back in time 10,000 years and make a cave painting to confuse everyone in the future, what would you draw? Okay, so go back to when everyone lived in caves, draw something on the wall that now our- Today. That today we go back and we find this yeah, and we go- Blows our whoa. mind. Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I would <laughs> I would do some sort of like very specific things that have come true. Mm. So maybe like I would draw um like someone on like on a cross, like mm-hmm. Jesus being mm. crucified on a cross. So like like they're like, oh my gosh, they knew that was gonna come. And then maybe something like uh um right like nineteen hundreds and draw like uh like a swastika or something mm-hmm. like that, or like a World War II reference, mm-hmm. or, um, and then uh, maybe like right nine eleven in a plane going into like oh my gosh they know they can predict the future, yep. and then I would go like number five, I would draw a picture. So this is a series. Yeah, so it's like, a series. Okay, got it. So All they right. know that we can predict the future, yeah. mm-hmm. and number five I would draw, um, like, like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around humans on leashes. <laughs> And people will be like, oh no, like Jurassic Park is coming true and they're going to domesticate humans. That's pretty funny. That would be pretty confusing. That would be very confusing. Be very confusing. What I thought would be just a little Wi-Fi signal. Oh my God, it's so good. That's so good. <laughs> just a little just Wi-Fi. That's just yeah. that. With a strong signal. But yeah, Wi-Fi. With the uh, other thing I was thinking about was just like draw the Amazon symbol. <laughs> You know, just like, yep. and, be, and like, or the right, Nike like, swoosh and, and, and just be like, um, same day delivery. 
<laughs> All right. That was Hopper Talk. Thank you, Ben. That was fun. Uh, if you guys have uh, questions out there that you want us to throw into a Hopper Talk, um, I have not yet received a good Hopper Talk question from listeners. So that's my challenge to everybody out there. Uh, how would you define a good Hopper Talk question? Random. Well, random and debatable, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no right answer. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So if you guys have any uh, any out there, send them to me. Uh, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM and I'll, uh, I'll add to our list. I would love to get some listener-inspired Hopper Talk questions. Until next time, thank you, Ben. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. We'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.